You remember. Roll your stealth roll. Game books, pencils, pizza, cheese puffs, and a hell of a lot of dice. And the dragon woke up. Roll for initiative. This is the Roll for Initiative podcast, where 1E is the place to be. This is the Roll for Initiative podcast. We are in volume five, issue 167. I am Vince sitting alongside Matt. Hello, everyone. And Nick. Hey, folks. Hello. And bringing on permanently as a host, uh, DM Sal. Guten Tag. Yes, oh, German great. Sal. Like yeah. that? <laughs> Hear that? We're in Wolfenstein. Yes, Wolfenstein. <laughs> Guten Tag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, it's been a while since we did a full cast show. I mean, people have been doing things, and you've heard Sal and I do our mini shows for a little while. We were waiting for the rest of the cast to get back together. As someone is hooking up their iPhone, I can hear in the background there. Sal. Oh, it's fine. It's no, not me. It, wasn't, it was oh, me. Okay, fine. Sorry. I automatically just blame Sal for everything because he's the scapegoat. Uh, anyway, so Nick, what have you been up to? Uh, well, uh, we just had our uh, annual or annual monthly game night last night on Saturdays. I ran uh, the Land of a Thousand Towers campaign. It was it went okay. It was fun. They fought off some uh, demonic uh, wood golems that looked like garden gnomes. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> let's see what else. And that was probably the really big battle of the night. Oh, and fighting these creatures called Screech Men, which are albino eyeless humanoids who they find their prey by echolocation. So that was really horrific because I had a really nasty looking picture. I found somewhere on the internet of a creature that looked almost exactly what I needed. And everybody was like, Oh, (laughs) that's not good. (laughs) So yeah, they fought those off. It was pretty cool. So they actually got to the first, they're actually getting into the first level of the dungeon. So that's pretty cool. Next month, we're going to go back to playing, uh, our Star Wars D6 campaign, which I'm really looking forward to. Cool. So, yeah, that's pretty much on the gaming front on my side. And Matt? Well, uh, I went to Gen Con. Um, mm-hmm. It was good times. Packed. What is what is this Gen Con you speak of? Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, it's basically a once-a-year gathering of nerds in Indianapolis. Oh, okay. Yeah, Super this is good. With a lot of food trucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, the 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 lot, they shut down one of one street and align it with food trucks during Gen Con. Nothing beats a burrito from a from a gut truck, does it? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, let's yeah. Picked up some board games at Gen Con. I picked up this one um, Fairy Tale Games Battle Royal. Basically, the game is it's like the Hunger Games if you took. Fairy tale characters and put like them in little the Bo Peep fighting uh, Little Red Riding Hood. Yes, no, it actually is that it actually gets better than that because they went all over the place with their characters. They're coming out up with a real world version that so you can have be Rasputin and have her have Rasputin fighting Snow White, who's battling uh, Grendel. I mean, it's. Really nuts. And then Nicolas Cage. Yes. <laughs> it, yeah, it, but I fully recommend uh, the game. It's horribly fun. Um, it was one they made off Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. 
And so the this was like their pre-release sale. And apparently I would link their website, but apparently they need to renew their domain name because <gasps> it expired four days ago of this recording. Oops. Quick, quick, as quick, long quick, as the it. picture they have that description <laughs> of Little <laughs> Red Riding Hood looks like Ronda Rousey, I'm totally on board with yes. this. Well, the, um, Red has like a very sharp knife. Snow White's like a dual wielding. Uh, it's art wise is more uh, violent, Pro- probably closer to the. Uh, original fairy tales than the uh disney version because uh, they you also can be like captain hook they have oh, villains sweet. too they have the wizard of oz so oh. you dorothy the lion all of that you battle the wicked witches of the east and west no actually wow. you can be the wicked witch from the east but you the west is one of the bad the big bads that you fight the three little pigs are a boss monster you can come across <laughs> Uh, and the the game board is actually a deck of cards. So you all start in and in, and then you just go out and exploring, and you pull over, lay over, over the top card from the uh, location deck, and you make the map that way as you explore. Oh, okay. It's almost kind of like the mo- the game Zombies in a way. Right. The, when you start off in the center of town and the the – Game board is different each time with a different card draw. Yeah, you place it out. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. And then you come ac- and you'll come across things like uh, the Emerald uh, Cat Palace from Wizard of Oz, or the, the Hedge Maze from Alice in Wonderland. All these iconic fairy tale locations. Iconic, and, then, and if you think about it, quite frightening locations. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not and it, like Mulan's in it as well, and um, you can go and get Mulan's sword. You can find these equipment. They're also adding Arthurian lore to it. So Merlin, King oh. Arthur, Sir Lancelot will be in this game. I mean, Sherlock Holmes is going to be in one of the expansions. Cool. It, so from an IP standpoint, it's really entertaining, and the game's kind of fun. Albeit the rules, as written, are a little wonky because they really could have used an editor. Oh, well, that's what board game geek and is for, though. They the uh, the creator posts lots of clarifications there. Um, outside of that, I uh, picked up like some old uh, I picked up uh, Avalon Hills uh, Speed Circuit uh, because I collect my old Avalon Hill board games mm-hmm. and got a couple other war games, a Napoleonic war game. And then I got a uh, Germans, Russians, Eastern Front World War Two game. And then also came back from Gen Con with a fiance. Oh, um, yeah. They sell oh, those there? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Well, they actually do now. Yes, Does they it do. have anything to do with the Russian thing? Like it's on like a male more bright from See, Russia? See, I would have waited. I would have waited if I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, yeah. You can get anything at Gen Con. And well, apparently, yeah. man. Apparently, I Matt. Went, I didn't see any of that stuff. Matt went into <clears> the <throat> vendor room and bought uh, one for two and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Walked out with a fiance. He walked out with yeah. a fiance. He just threw the yeah. other three away. Other two away. Excuse me. So, yes, well, I was going to say. You this buy a game about Russian East. <laughs> you buy a game about Eastern European campaign. You get Russian bright. Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. It, it was part of the auction package because that's where nice. I get all the good deals. Is the, the, and actually, pretty much everything I bought was actually from the auction store outside of the fairy tales game. And we all must know that Matt's fiance is not in the room because he would not be talking like yeah. this right now. <laughs> she is actually in the other room and can hear me. 
So you will oh. be dead after this show. <laughs> Fortunately, she's getting ready to leave for her mother's. Yeah, I was going to say, if she's like a real fiance, she's ignoring him. No, actually, she... <laughs> I just heard her say when I said fortunately, she was like, fortunately, (laughs) you're dead. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be cowed in the kisser. Yep. Oh, well. (laughs) Anyway, what about you, Vince? Uh, Oh, I miss you. It's not fortunate (laughs) you're leaving. Oh, Oh, here we go. I love you. Oh, oh uh, Nick! Keep back? talking. You might get enough words out to redeem with all the crap you've already said. <laughs> remember when we were like that, Nick? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <coughs> still is. Anyway, uh, oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, Mrs. Nick runs the show over there. Yeah. Uh, nothing really much going on here. I've been just planning games and trying to find a way to start another game up locally, but I, I don't know what's going on. There's not a lot of people in the area willing to play right now, so. Well, didn't you go the North Texas RPG Con? Back in June, and we did discuss that we, on the last show. Yeah, that's why I was just making sure. We did talk about that, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't just me thinking we had that discussion, yes. right? No, I mean, we don't give, like, an in-depth review like Save or Die does, and they, like, give every, like, waking moment from, you know, North Texas. I mean, North Texas is cool, but I'm not going to yeah. spend an entire show describing, you know, where I went and where I took a dump there, so. I think you should. Uh, sure, Sal. Why don't you lead that show next time? So since no. you want you want the final word, Sal, what have you been doing? Uh, what have I been doing? I've been working on trying to get people for Roll20 to just get people together. I have you know friends of mine who everybody just posted, oh, I want a game, I want a game. I said, well, I've been wanting to run stuff. And they're like, okay, so everybody's looking into D20. I don't understand what they're looking into, but they're looking into it. You mean the, um, the website, not the game D20, right? Uh, Roll20, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, thanks. My apologies. Um, and personally, I have been, aside from working on you know a campaign, uh, I have been playing a lot of Magic. Really? Yeah. Huh. I used to play back in the day, first edition, I was, I was hardcore into it. Um, after, I think up to... Let's see. I'm trying to think. After Ice Age, I stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, ho- Homelands. Yeah, I just I was done, and then I kind of got back into it because I've been reading the lore. Mm-hmm. I was I was I was dumb, and I went back and I started reading, you know, some Innistrad stuff, and I started reading the you know the dragon, the cons, and the dragons of Tarkir for the new, the recent stuff, and then the Zendragi, uh, uh, Zendrazi, Zendrazi, and yeah. the Eldrazi, Rise of the Eldrazi, which I absolutely love, all the backstory and everything else. So I've been I've been playing Magic. Um, I started out with you know, okay, let me do, I'll just pick up a, I'll pick up a deck, and I, you know, and I, I started playing, and I was like, okay, and then I had you know boxes of cards here that I was like, let me go through them. So now I got a friend who was like, oh, I just started playing again too. I'm like, oh. And it just happened to work out that way. So now I've been playing with him and it's been, you know, we've been playing commander decks. So, you know, the rules, one of the things that drove me away was going to a local gaming store and getting beat by 12 year olds in four rounds. <laughs> that and then, you and then being like, you need to get a better deck. And you're like, you need to die and get away. Yeah. From yeah. That probably cursed at you with every word possible. Oh, every, every other word was a, was a cuss word. But uh, yeah, so it was. I, I started playing. I'm having a lot of fun with it, and and that's the thing. I'm not. 
you know, I'm not following, I'm probably not, I'm probably breaking every one of Wizards tournament rules or whatever else, but I'm not looking to get into tournaments or anything like that. And we're just playing little, little games here and there. And it's been a lot of fun. And the lore has been a huge, huge vault for me to steal ideas from. <laughs> so I've been doing that. How super. It is super. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, let's head into it. Nick, we said you had some reviews on iTunes. Yeah, we do have a new review on iTunes. And if to remind everybody, just head on to iTunes. You go to the iTunes store, type in Roll for Initiative on your search, and navigate your way to ratings and reviews. You're going to drop us a review of the show when you or several shows that you've listened to. And uh, right now we're at 197 reviews. We're almost at 200. So We're so close. So close to 200. And our average rating is five stars. So mm-hmm. doing great. I guess we must be doing something right. Well, I mean, we were in the top 15 at one point for uh, iTunes uh, display. Yeah. So. Uh, so our we broke latest, our, our latest review is from... Mechanic of Xanadu. Whoa. <laughs> and Mechanic of Xanadu gives us a five stars and says, sh- should be mandatory. Says, okay. any gamer should be listening to this podcast. The basic genome of nearly every RPG was created and with the early editions, with the early editions of D&D, and is covered here in an informative and outright fun manner. The hosts sound like guys I want in my gaming table, my gaming group. Well done. EMJ. <laughs> what was that, Sal? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sal, for the review. <laughs> no. But no, thank you very much. Yes, and it should be mandatory for every gamer to listen to. So go now, just now. We'll go wait. Now. We'll wait. Yeah, we'll wait. Go ahead and pause. <laughs> okay, but, we're back. Um, Did you listen to all the shows? <laughs> No. Okay, great. Oh. Yeah, all how many? 160 some shows. Uh, plus all the specials and the mini inserts and everything like that. There's probably close to 300 shows, I would think. Probably, yeah. But yeah, thanks for the review. So, yeah, we 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 try. We do our best. We do our best. Yeah. Mhm. It's super. <laughs> yes, the show has uh changed and uh evolved over the years. So, what you hear in the beginning may not be hearing what you're hearing local in the last few episodes. So, you know, opinions and, and, and attitudes change throughout time, as well as hosts, as you can tell. Um, as, you know, Jason no longer sits in that other chair there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have a Sal sitting there. Mm. Right, Sal? Yeah. It's more of a uh, hunched squat. Hunched squat. <laughs> yeah, Sal is our new mascot uh, for the show. Like the show's gargoyle. It's fine. <laughs> the show's gargoyle. Hey, they have lots of hit dice. They're really hard. Exactly. To hit. Anyway, let's head into uh, some sage advice. Sage advice. So, sage advice. We have uh, some emails here and a, and a voicemail. If you'd like to send in your emails, send them to RFI staff at gmail.com or hit us up at 570-865-4210, the hotline. Where you can leave a message and tell us what you want to tell us. We do have one voicemail coming in from Angelic Doctors from the forums. Uh, well, we'll listen to him right now. 
Hello, this is DM Raul calling about the Role for Initiative podcast, the Zero Equals Death episode. Just want to say I really enjoyed it. You highlighted many of the aspects of modern gaming that are quite deficient, and I love that you did it without bashing it, but that you did it in a way to explain it as an opportunity for some even greater role-playing and creativity. Kudos to you both, Vince and Sal. And, yeah, when I, whenever I play Advanced Dungeons & Dragons at the first edition, I pretty much am one of those who play it by the book. I figure I'm going to play this magnificent game. I'm going to play it the way that, uh, you know, Mr. Gygax wrote it. And, you know, I just love doing that, and I love that it forces me to become creative uh, if I want to spare, you know, the players' lives. But yeah, I've got to come up with some pretty good reasons to figure out how that happened. And it, you know, it just becomes a, a wonderful experience for us all. So, thanks to you both. Keep these shows coming. I'm getting a lot of a lot out of them. I'm not currently playing AD and D, but you know, when I do, I'm going to be looking back at these episodes and, and pulling all the data I can from them to make sure that the experience is the best one that I can provide my players. Thank you again. Bye bye. So yeah, that was one of the mini episodes, Sal, and I did zero equals uh, death episode. And I believe we had a lot of fun on that one, Sal, right? Yeah. Well, I, he kind of threw me off, and he was like, yeah, you guys didn't bash. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I wasn't on that episode. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> you were physically there. I know that. <laughs> yeah, we talked about how, uh, you know, zero equals uh, death in most campaigns by the book rules and, and what ways you can adjust it and what happens when you don't. So if you want to take a listen to that, that was mini issue number, I think, Six or five, one of the two. Uh, enjoy listening to that one. It was about a quick 20 minute show of us going over options and role playing methods and why you should do this or that. And you take away what you want from that episode. Pretty simple. Anyway, so we got some emails here. As I open up the email bag, I've pulled out two emails here for us. The first one comes in from a, uh, come from Matteo, who hails from Italy. And I believe he says he's an Italian DM, so I'm assuming he's from Italy. He could be from somewhere else. Boopity-boppity. <laughs> yeah, boopity-boppity-boo, yeah. That's <laughs> a family guy would say. I'm an Italian DM, and I'd love to hear your opinions on the module I'm currently running, T1, The Village of Hamlet. Please, 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 please. <laughs> Have a nice day. Your podcast is awesome. You didn't gotta we? say please. Please. Uh, did <laughs> didn't we do a show on Hamlet? I yeah, know a long time it. ago. Yeah. I think we did. It's, it might have been in conjunction with Temple of Elemental Evil. Or we... Uh, was that how it went? I don't think we did Evil, but I know we did Hamlet. Because yeah. we, we reviewed the module, I'm pretty sure. Matt will have to Google Foo that for us and find out what episode that was for that listener while I'm pulling out the next email. So, Unless anybody has uh, any thoughts about that module right now. I like cheese and mushrooms on my omelet. <laughs> yeah, so we we we've, we've picked up our comedian aspect in Sal. So apparently, so <laughs> Nick, you've run that module a few times, right? I've actually not. Oh, I've okay. Run it at I. It's been part of this, like I said, the super module, Temple of Elemental Evil. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, it's a simply. It's essentially the same thing. I do own the uh, mono, the, the uh, monochrome covered one. 
Yeah, I have that too. Of Hamlet. And um, if I were going to run it alone as is, I mean, I've read through it. And um, my opinion, it's it's one of the I, – I, it's a near-perfect example of how to start a campaign. Almost like, uh, keep, uh, you know, keep on the borderlands. So I, that one where it's almost like a mini campaign setting, but uh, how to start at a low level campaign at Ham, Hamlet, Hamlet, <laughs> the Hamlet of Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> it has a little bit of everything, you know? So I couldn't think of a, a better way to start a campaign than with that module. You can, you could probably run that in conjunction with um, like, uh, keep on the borderlands i know people who've done it they they've kind of combined the two mm-hmm. and 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 um somehow made them mesh together in some fashion so you know, it's very it's very versatile you can go anywhere with it i know f- from reading in the past from other people on forums how when they've run hamlet and they were supposed to have the second module temple of elemental evil when that finally came out it was a super module in the meantime there was like i want to say like a seven or six year gap Mm -hmm. yeah between when hamlet came out and temple of elemental evil and uh people wrote their own temple of elemental evil (laughs) their version but uh as far as hamlet i think it's it's like one of the more the I don't say basic, but it has all the elements that you need to start a any sort of campaign. It has mm-hmm. the town. It's got a nearby uh, area to explore and and clear out, and it could lead up to even more adventures after that. So, wasn't there a Hackmaster version of the Hamlet? Yeah, the, uh, well, Temple yeah. of as existential evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. And it was renamed uh, some. It was renamed some other. Uh, I forget what it was, but they renamed it not Hamlet, but there was something else. It sounded entirely different. So, okay. Yeah, there was. I guess you can call it a Hackmaster version. <clears throat> Matt, did we I, find anything out yet? Or I'm battling right now with OneNote because it's not letting me search. It's anytime I search for anything, it says not found. You're using OneNote? Yes, that's what I keep all my notes in, OneNote. Oh. And Mr. for some reason, since updating to Windows 10, the <laughs> search of OneNote is not working. Aw, Matt's problems with Windows 10. Yes. Uh-oh. Well, at least Uh-oh. that's better than battling with, oh, a, with a small cat or something. Yes, yeah, surprisingly, they've been bothering the fiancé as she's trying to get ready. They've been... At, Attacking her in her uh, vanity yeah, and not leaving be, me alone for once. Cats can be some little vicious hunters there. Yes. Yes, the, the kitties are quite ferocious. All right. Well, I'll read on to the next email while you try to struggle with one note. <laughs> <laughs> this next email, email evil, evil mail, yeah, comes in from David. Uh, he says, hey guys, your podcast has inspired me to resume old school tabletop gaming after about a 30-year hiatus. 
I started D&D in 1975 with three little brown books and chainmail. I played all the usual RPGs and war games until about 85, when I stopped playing all tabletop games due to career, etc. I recently replaced the original one books along with Dragon Mags and PDFs with modules. I mean, modules and PDF. Why did I read that backwards? Wow. Now I've emerged myself from my imposed exile. <laughs> and I'd like to hear your opinions on what other games since 1985 I've missed out that are absolutely... Oh, yeah. <laughs> God. We could do a whole show on that. <laughs> that I have missed that are absolutely... That are absolute must-check-out games and materials for an old grognard like myself. You've mentioned all kinds of games which sound great, but please prioritize and separate the must-haves from the nice-to-haves. Thanks, DM David. Wow. Well, <laughs> since all 1985. Right. Hmm. So, I haven't watched TV since 1985. Have I missed anything? No. Well. Anything, anything big happened on TV that I've missed? Prioritize that. Get back to me. Take the commercials out. Okay, sure. Sure. That'll only take about a month. So. <laughs> Oh, gosh, that's a tall order to right. Wow, <laughs> and then just and then prioritize them. Okay, yeah, prioritize. <laughs> well, I can think of one game that probably since '85 almost withstood the test of time. Is called Thulu. Yeah. yeah, all right. Yeah, that I would say that's a must-have, not just a nice-have. That's a must-have game. I mean, mm-hmm. what what can you say? Basic the BRP system extremely versatile, and even with the current version of seventh, seventh edition, which supposedly is coming out sometime in the not too distant future, but you can you can stick with six, six absolutely like I am. They're all backward compatible, so you can get a, a, a scenario and adventure from back in 1985, which absolutely. I have, and you can yeah, you can still play it. There you go. I'll jump in and stick with D&D, and I'll say, just for D&D purposes, uh, anything Ravenloft, pretty much, toward well, the beginning of Ravenloft, which okay. heads into second edition, uh, the box sets. Uh, the later stuff in Ravenloft, now nah, I'd pass on it. Uh, see, I don't know what year offhand Marvel superheroes came out. I think that was late 80s. That was like mid-80s, 85. Around yeah. there, yeah. Okay, and I would definitely give two thumbs up for Mayfair's DC Heroes. Okay. Those are my And I know you could you could find uh um whatchamacallit? You can find um I don't know, you tell me. Marvel superheroes online for free. Oh yeah. They never they never um renewed, renewed the it. license for it. Classicmarvelforever.com. Yep. There you, you go. Can, you can download all the books, every single one of them for free in PDF and then print them out at your leisure. Mm-hmm. So uh enjoy that. And you can buy all the D&D PDFs uh, at, uh, was it, dndclassics.com? Yeah. Yep, dndclassics.com. As far as DC Heroes goes, uh, I don't know if you can buy the PDFs of those. I'm not positive. I think Paizo might have some of them. But you can get the third edition or second edition pretty decent priced uh, online and on Amazon. You can definitely get Batman the role-playing game that was like first edition slash second edition role-playing for very cheap. I mean, you can buy that book for under $10. I mean, if you just want a quick start, you know, street-level type, you know, Batman versus blah, blah, blah versus, you know, Arrow or 
I should say green arrow or flash, things like that level. Um, right. See, yeah, because they, they did the DC Heroes was the Mayfair one, mm-hmm. and then there was the DC Universe that used a wacky oh, die yeah. system. No. Yeah. No. That uh, that was West End. Yeah. That the, the it was the Superman Wonder Woman Thanos dice or whatever it was. Or yeah. Dark Side. Yeah. Dark Side. Dark yeah. Side. Yeah. Yeah. Dark Side. Flash. Uh, Aquaman dice. I, I was just actually when we did the show last last time, Vince. I had I had just found those dice, yes, and I was putting right. them in the uh, in the dice jar, and I was just like, "Oh man, huh, we have legitimately never rolled these. <laughs> <laughs> these these dice have never been rolled, oh. but they're cool looking." So I was like, "Yeah, they're going in the jar." Looking at my uh, my stash over here on the shelf, I would definitely say villains and vigilantes too, though that did mm. probably come out before eighty five. Yeah, but that went pretty far in. in- I I think I'm just trying to think of stuff like through the 90s and well you got you got the whole vampire the masquerade yeah, hunter rip. if you want to get wolf. really out there riffs riffs yeah I was going to say ninja turtles um yeah. was awesome oh uh, yeah teenage mutant ninja turtles and recently more 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 recently savage worlds is I think is an innovative system yeah savage worlds and it lends for some really cool Cinematic role play. That's uh, um, DM Glenn's <clears throat> DM Glenn's go to game now. Savage World is it? Yeah, he loves nice. that game. Off the hook, now, Glenn. You know uh, they're coming out with Flash Gordon for that, right? They are. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll have to tell him that because he would probably love to pick that up. Flash. Yeah, yeah. Flash Gordon and uh, I, they're kind of doing that whole John Cartery thing. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. If you want to go into more anime, they have Big Eyes, Small Mouth. Uh huh. Um, if you like Shadowrun, Shadowrun definitely. But that was yeah, out before up. he stopped playing. Get the up, we'll get the updated ones because fifth edition. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Well worth it. If you um, like Oriental adventures, you want to go into Legend of the Five Rings, which is current now with AEG <clears throat> fourth edition. I don't know if they're going into fifth because I know they're running out of steam for fourth. Mutants and Masterminds. If you like superheroes. I would pass on that game. Really? You didn't like it? No. Yeah. In Mutants and Masterminds is uh, Green Ronin has the DC Universe. Yeah. They have three supplements for that. DC Adventures. Yes. I believe it's called DC Adventures now. Then Margaret Weiss briefly had the Marvel licensing, had uh, a Marvel role-playing game. I'm annoyed at their couple. I'm just so annoyed at Margaret Weiss. Not her personally. She's wonderful. Her gaming company, I'm pissed off at. Have, yeah, because they had the license for like a year. That's what they do. They get a license of like all these cool things, and they just like, meh, we're not going to pay for it anymore, so screw you guys. It was like a one-shot, and that's it. No, they had about four books. They planned on more, and then they were just like, nah, this is too expensive. We're just going to drop it. Like yeah, half the other games that they produced. Eh, we're going to drop it. Eh, we're going to drop it. Yes, I'm bitching. You know what grinds <laughs> my gears? This is what grinds my gears. <laughs> this is grievances. Oh, wait. Uh, top secret. <laughs> top secret. Uh, anyway. Uh, that's um, a good thing. Also, and wait, he oh. cannot go without Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yes. No, I'd say yes. just take that and throw it in the garbage. How dare you? What? How dare you, sir? <laughs> I like Dungeon Crawl Classics too. I no, I have nothing neat. against Dungeon Crawl Classics. I just don't like the funky dice. That's all. The game itself is kind of cool. The dice are stupid. 
Well, you don't have to use the uh, functions. Yes, I know that, but I shouldn't have to translate things. Sorry. The system should have okay. The system okay. should have Just take your D6 and go sit in the corner. You maybe I will go sit in the corner at my D6, right, pal? The D12 gets no respect. Yeah. No, no, it's not the D12, it's the D7, the D13, the D I'm stupid and I can't have a regular die because I want to be inventive die. No, sorry. But they found a use for all those bizarre uh, game science dice. Yes, they Goodman Games had tripped over a box that they found in their closet and went, oh, look at all these dice that no one ever uses or heard of. Let's make use of them. Yeah. But the game system itself is really cool. Dice, yeah. dumb. Okay. I will give you the game system is cool. Yes. Matt, did you find anything since we've been distracting and just ranting on? I discovered what the problem was when the Windows search service in Windows 10 is not running. And that is why I cannot search. Stand by as we have technical difficulties. Matt will figure it out. Yes. yes. Uh, experiencing yes. De- technical difficulties. Please stand by. We need to throw up that, that NBC thing when they have technical difficulties on Saturday Night Live with like the little yeah. thing. Yeah, so we'll just throw up the color bars right now on this audio podcast. <laughs> yes, because this looks like I'm going to have to go dinking around in like Windows settings to enable search, which should be a basic function. Shouldn't like, don't you have the Cortana search on already? Or no, actually, I I'm like, no, Cortana, you're not going to be examining everything I do. So I disabled that. Well, then that's the reason why. You wow. rejected a woman, and now her scorn is after you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you will learn, Matt. You will learn with time that you do not do that. <laughs> I, I will have just, no fury that a woman scorned. Yeah. Okay. I just turned Cortana on. All right, baby. All right. Great. Now what would you like to, me to call you? What? You see, now, if Matt was in that movie AI, it would have turned out like the perfect guy. And the computer would just stalk him and be angry at him the whole time. Exactly. Are we still recording? Yeah, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. Because Search on. Yes, because we record everything here. We don't have a filter. No, there's no filter. <laughs> We're not like other podcasts on this network that just, you know, filter things out. Anyway, so let's uh, head over to our main meat of the show, our table manners or DM rules, whichever one we want to call it this week. Uh, let's call it DM rules instead of table manners because we're going to be talking about running games from a DM point of view here. So mm-hmm. DM rules. This podcast is brought to you in part by a not very generous grant from Lesser Gnome, publisher of quality role-playing games since last year. Gnomes value high-minded programming just like you. Learn more at their website at www.lessergnome.com. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Okay, and now we're here in DM Rules, where today we are going to talk about our inspirations for Vampire Hunter games and building your campaign or your world around those. Vince, you are a fan of Vampire the Masquerade, right? Uh, Yeah, I did start playing that in the late 90s and played for quite a bit of time and did the 
actual LARP for a little while too. Dead silence after that. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I, I'm you can not laugh a fan at me all you want. Parts. I don't care. You what? I said you can laugh at me all you want. I don't care. I had fun. That's all that matters. I to LARPed. Me. I love vampire LARPed a lot. A friend of mine still run the game. Um, oh, okay. He still has a, a long, big following for it for uh, vampire, and then he made his own kind of world of darkness world, and it's. I know there's a lot. A lot of people like there's communities built around it. So. Yep. The one you know, thing that the, the LARPs lacked, and I don't know why, and they had the books for it, was Hunters. They were books for Hunters, but no one mm-hmm. ever used them. I don't know. It was like, oh, I can't be a vampire. I don't want to be a hunter. Well, that's the thing. The, every now and then, and you've, it's, it's kind of become a trope that you've seen in all the LARPing games. You got your vampires running around, and everybody's with the black trench coats on and everything else and wearing the glasses and slick hair and, you know who's got a corset on and blah, blah, blah. And then you get the guy coming in who's dressed like Crocodile Dundee. And he, he oh, let me guess. You're the hunter. Yeah, Crocodile Dundee. You know, and it's like, uh, okay. Or the guy who comes in in all camos with a bandolier of, of, of foam stakes on it at a convention. And you're like, let me guess. Vampire, Vampire hunter. hunter. And you can't imagine why every character in game jumps on this dude and kills him. I didn't hmm. get 30 seconds in game. I can't imagine why. Because you like, look like a vampire hunter. Because you look like a vampire hunter. <laughs> and you're handing so, out cards that say, Max Domain, Vampire Hunter. So, okay, dummy, how uh, can you figure it out yet? Let me know, and uh, we'll get you another character. I do like that name, though, Max Domain. <laughs> okay. like that? Yeah, that was a good one, Sal. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's... And no matter what, how cool of a hunter you are, Despite what you see in movies, in role-playing games, you against a coven of vampires is not going to work. You're not James Woods. You're not going to make it out of there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Referencing yeah. John Carpenter? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's I, a, and that's that a was, good film, too. That movie was amazing. I love that movie. Yeah. <clears throat> but you're just not going to do it. And it, that's not going to translate into RPG. Well, don't forget he also had a whole group of people with him. So it wasn't just I, him by himself. But right. it was basically red shirt runs in, you know, gets <laughs> <Yeah>. killed, <laughs> hotel party, everybody gets slaughtered. And then James Woods and the, the, the priest and the fat Baldwin and all the rest of them. <laughs> what? <laughs> the they all go in and they kill the master, you know, no problem. Is bang, that, bang, boom. Is that his legal name, fat Baldwin? <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> Actually, it's Shecky. Shecky, okay. Shecky Baldwin. Uh, yeah, well, you can do that. True, you can do a blade type game too. I mean, you guys can be sure. like some type of super powered vampire hunter that's kind of partly vampire. See, yeah, that's right. another thing. I'm su- I'm surprised that in when Blade was hot, and I mean, that was a great movie. Everybody loved the Blade movies. I'm surprised that didn't get its own treatment. Yeah, you mean as far as a role playing game? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I know people yeah. homebrew it, but still, I'm I'm surprised. That was one of the, the biggest shocks I've ever seen. Like, how did that not get its own role playing? Matt, you have to put the picture for this show. Is that picture of Blade standing Endgame. behind the two Twilight people? Yes. yes. That should Absolutely. be the picture for this show because that is the best picture that someone has ever made. Now, how <laughs> you have a lot of these inspirations, like you're talking Blade and uh, what's the Carpenter film? It's just called Vampires, Vampire. isn't it? I believe. Well, yeah, vampires. vampires. You yep. got also from yeah. Dust Till Dawn as well. From Dust Till Dawn. Yep. How can you take a lot of those inspirations and and some books? That was an amazing movie. 
yeah, that was really good too. I love From Dusk Till Dawn. And how can you adapt some of those ideas into like a D and D setting? Okay, um, I can. I, I'm sorry to jump in on that, but no, no, um, go go for it. I've been doing that exact thing. Uh, speaking of Dusk Till Dawn, there's the TV show <laughs> on the El Rey Network, which El Rey. Uh, it's 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 hit or miss for me. It's, it's okay. But what I'm taking out of it is the Calebras. The Calebras are the vampire, the snake vampires that um, Robert Rodriguez researched when making the first movie. And basically they're a snake cult, mm-hmm. um, but they're vampires and they have the fangs that come down like a cobra's, you know. So like it isn't like, oh, my teeth just grow. These come down and they have the choice to either inflict the venom and make you a Calebra or they just suck you dry and they leave you like a husk. Um, and then there are different categories uh, or different powers that some of the Calebras get. Mm-hmm. Uh, one has like spitting cobra venom. The other has wings, like these draconic wings. Uh, the other one can do, does like this crushing move. So it's like a python. <clears throat> there, there's just they've, – they've changed the vampire lore – so it's not just, hey, we're vampires. This is what we do. Um, the Calabras can go out and sun. Not like they can't go to the beach and hang out, but they can like run from the house to the car and it'll burn, but they're not going to die immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, direct sunlight will destroy them, but some can take it. You know, it's, 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 they just they vary it. And there's this whole deep thing about how it was, you know, the, the first Calabra was cursed. And, you know, by when Conquistadors came over and it's a whole big backstory for the show. But the lore is just it's just cool to me. I, I actually like the lore so much. I started looking up stuff on uh, um, from the old deities and demigods. I was looking at some of the Mexican gods, which I always mm-hmm. kind of aside from uh, uh, Kamazots. He was my favorite bat god. And I just loved him, and he was the demon bat god. He was always the bad guy, perfect. But now I've kind of gone towards the serpent stuff because I love the backgrounds of these guys. I love the the idea. To me, vampires would always be better if they were wild, if they were savage and vicious and Mm -hmm. sometimes feral. You know, Um, 30 Days of Night, one of the most frightening movies ever. Yeah. Because there was no, hey, uh, let's, I'll cut a deal with you guys, or oh, the politics of the, of this, and nobody cared. They just tore your face off if they didn't, you know, if, if they chose to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to me, that's what a vampire should be. That's scary. And right. hunting them was so much harder because not only they were they were smart and they were tough. Yeah. You know so. But it gave you there was there was a little bit of a feral thing which gave you as a thinking hunter an advantage. So that was like the only ray of hope in this really dark setting. The um, the book by F. Paul Wilson, Midnight Mass, is mm-hmm. similar to that. It's a um, he basically took um, he was he basically he said. You know, I'm tired of all the stuff making vampires sparkly. I'm going back to the roots and making them how vampires were, how we read about them in books, that they're they're evil, blood-sucking beasts that should be destroyed, you know? Yeah. Going, going back to that. I mean, and then still with a little bit of, you know, they're 
they could be very wild, like you're saying, and feral sometimes. But this, in this book, it somehow there's a the vampires take over a good chunk of the world now, and they've yeah. taken over a good chunk of the United States. And you're living in a world now where the the vampires pretty much rule, <laughs> and and there's some people who are trying to fight the good fight, but it seems like it's all for naught. Well, but I uh, like the idea of the like you know you have some of the feral ones, but you someone you also have some that are kind of smart. Right, you have like a master or a mm-hmm. higher up vampire who's a little bit more intelligent who can either lead them or. You know, give them a place to stay. You know, yeah. someone who is uh, who's running running the show, basically. Yeah. But yeah. Um, transferring over to fantasy is so easy. Um, also, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the strain. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a great take on the vampires. It's more like those blade vampires, the strike. Uh, what do strike? Yeah, I think it's called. I, I'm I'm probably destroying that name. But uh, it's with the, you know, they, their mouths open and they, you know, shoot out that tendril. Um, but like doing that in a D&D, treat it like a plague. Mm-hmm. And in D&D, it's even easier because there there's so many ways to deliver this disease, mm-hmm. you know, and then you tie it into that just makes your whole campaign world just a dark, scary place. You know, I kind of did something like that in my Hackmaster campaign where it became what I called the dark world where basically evil won. And there is a – and one of the major protagonists in the world are vampires. They control certain areas. You'll have a a vampire master and he'll have his horde and they – control a whole region of the world and they um they they generally they are generally doing the bidding of demons uh, in in the world now they they're um kind of like their emissaries if you want to call it that so yeah it's a it's a um it's a it's a very interesting uh twist on on how you can make your world yeah you could say very dark uh but you still maybe have this enclave of good <laughs> that are just they're holding on to this the the threads of uh, of of good and hope and everything. Well, that's the thing in the strain they're they're under horrible odds, but they never give up because you right. know, they're fighting for their town, they're fighting for you know New York, and they're fighting for you know one reason or another, and they never give up, even mm-hmm. when even when things are you know down the tubes, man. It's just they still keep going, and I I like it because. At any given time, a show can just run – a show or a book or a movie runs off the rails when you're like, uh, this is kind of hopeless, but you know they're going to win, so hooray. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, what these stories have been doing, they they make you feel hopeless, but then they give you a realistic ray of light that you're like, oh, OK, 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 you know, and you're, you're still in, invested in the story. You want to see are they going to win? Are they going to lose? You know, the, it's something that I guess as we've all, I want to say evolved as, you know, a community of people, you want the story to get better. It's not, it can't mm-hmm. just be Van Helsing kicks the door in, stakes Dracula. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's people are kind of beyond that now. And with all the vampire stuff and again, everybody's go to is let's just crap on Twilight. I'm no I've never seen any of the Twilight movies and I, you know, I know sparkly vampires is the thing, whatever people hate it, blah, blah, blah. They always use that as their their but vampires have gotten worn out to death. Yeah. Yeah. They had their time. There dead. are a handful of movies that, yeah, yeah. There's like zombies now. Zombies are everywhere, yeah. and they just have to keep getting reinvented because people would be bored to tears if you put out another zombie movie that didn't have something. Well, that's what people don't understand about The Walking Dead, to be honest. And I, I know Matt's not a fan of that show, and I'll bring it up mm. real brief here because we're not talking about zombies. But that show is just people are like, oh, I don't want to watch another show about zombies. Right. It's not about the dead. It's about the people dealing with each other during this crisis. So, yeah, right. right. The, the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead are not the zombies. The Walking Dead are the survivors. The right. Yeah. And a lot of times you'll see in that series and you could probably take the same trope if you're dealing with vampires is. With whatever regular humans are left, they generally are just as dangerous, if not more so, than Um, the zombies or slash vampires. Perfect example. Daybreakers. Daybreakers was that move. That exactly what you're talking about. Kind of like a Walking Dead situation. The whole world is vampires and there's only a few select humans left and the vampires are dying out slowly. It was with uh, Ethan Hawke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard Um, about it. Yeah. Sam Neill, too, right? Yes, uh, I came out in uh, oh, quick Google here, two thousand nine. Yeah, Ethan Hawke, Sam Neill. It was a really good movie, actually. Really good beginning, middle, end, kind of blue, but still a good movie. Right. I definitely picked and, it up. And then also, when we're talking about vampires, we're mostly talking about the Western European lore of a vampire. Yeah, yeah there's you're a looking- from a very narrow view of what a vampire is, because when you expand it to the vampire lore of the world, there's a little bit of everything. And yeah. you, if you want to run a vampire campaign, you, I think you should take a look at there's a issue of dragon. It's dragon 25. They have an article in the variety of vampires. The one that I like the best is the Saxony version of the vampire. It's a butterfly that sits on your chest and suffocates you. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's called an alp. And the, bu- the butterfly attacks day and night. It settles on your chest and suffocates you. And it can call 10 to 100 regular butterflies. Love nice. and, thro- and throw one sleep spell per 24 hours. So you're trying to hunt a vampire that's a butterfly. <laughs> to defeat it, you have to find the corpse that it last laid on and suffocated and put a lemon in its mouth. Other, <laughs> otherwise you have to destroy the, you have to destroy the body. If you destroy the body, then it just has to find another body. And then there, it's like, or the Philippine version of the vampire. That's a floating head with entrails. Was the pangalang there? Yeah, sort of uh, like that. Sounds like uh, yeah. it's uh, Pangolin or Pangolin. It's like the Anna Non Gel. It's and like it's, Anna, Anna Angel. It's, it it sounds bloated. like the one out of Fiend Folio, though. Yeah, it's very similar to that. Yeah, it gets bloated when it when it, it eats up, and then it's all like bloody and squishy as it floats. But then, right? Yeah, but then when it's hungry, it's just like just a, a <clears throat> kind of a really sad floating head. Yes. That weeps. Yeah, it's kind of weird. 
Right. And then there <clears> or there's out of Portugal, there's the Bressa. It's a woman by day, bird at night. And mm. otherwise it's a vampire. So there's a you can even integrate all vampire hunting doesn't have to take place at night because there are vampires that are active during the day as well. So if you want to have like a vampire world, I would suggest pulling that article out and having the different varieties of the vampire because otherwise everyone would be like, get the wooden stakes, yeah. uh, get the mirror, get the uh, stereotypical trope. And, or, oh, there's one out of Brazil, the Lobishman. Lobishuman? I don't know. My enunciation today is horrible. <laughs> Uh, it looks like a small, stumpy, hunchback monkey. Okay. Monkey vampire. Oh, great. With yellow face, bloodless lips, black teeth, bushy beard, and plush-covered feet. So that is another vampire you can have sucking the blood of people in your world. So, yeah, expand the mythos of a vampire, and I think it'll also solve some of the problems of seeming like a tired-out uh, trope. Um, but as far as hunters, um, I think when we, we played in the world of darkness setting for tabletop, Mm -hmm. um, it turned into three hours of shopping. Basically (laughs) that's what, well, that's what it kind of, well, how it ran three hours of shopping, um, going out and then getting foiled because, excuse me, because the, guy running the game had a character that has been around for, I guess the past five or 600 million games he's run. Mm-hmm. And this bad guy is the ongoing bad guy. <clears throat> so we had to take our run at him, which we knew we were going to fail because this guy has been around forever. Was he like we got to, we got to kill a bunch of his minions and got nowhere near to killing him. So like, that was my first experience with vampire hunters. And I was like, Oh, well that was fun. <laughs> Like, okay, you know, sure. So, I don't know. Again, I'm, I think we've said that before, Vince. It's sometimes when you get exposed to something, it's, it'll be your first exposure, and that will, <clears throat> that'll flavor your, your, your view on that game yeah. or that particular power or whatever it is you're, you're experiencing for the first time. That'll kind of color how you feel about it. Um, I've always <clears throat> said try things at least more than once, and yeah. I've done that a lot. So it was when I like, first played you know, Vampire for the first time, I, was just I like, played whatever. it with. I mean, uh, so I gave it another try, else. and it got a little bit better over time. And so you know, it always it first old opinion, old. always like. Oh yeah, but but the but that that's generally what people think we'll that Vampire Hunter games are. Either yeah. that or Buffy. Those are the those are your two go tos. It's like mm-hmm. we're going to stock up and we're going to have the van full of silver nitrate and grenades and underworld and we'll have gun foo and slow motion bullet time and that's what we're going to do. Or we're going to be campy and goofy and be the Scoobies in a van. So like those seem to be the two vampire hunter go tos for gaming and even you know for for TV now especially. I've been thinking about, uh, as we're talking about this, you know, how we can translate, how some of the stuff would translate if you go into a almost 
a vampire themed D and D campaign, or you know, something almost entirely themed, where at least the the ma- the major baddies are vampires. And I would think how like some of the character classes would be treated. Uh, paladins obviously would be much, much, much in the demand. Along as long and long along with that is clerics. You would you would think because you're fighting so much undead. <laughs> Paladins and good aligned clerics will be definitely something that you'll you'll want if looking at like a as a kingdom if they're trying to survive. But now as vampires, like automatically those are those are the two top haunted non vampire classes. Like any vampire who had any intelligence would automatically want those killed. Yeah. Right, right. <clears throat> Those, I would think there'd be like a lot of emphasis as far as those character classes. Um, and m- magic users, mm-hmm. there'd be definitely a lot more offensive spells <laughs> than in the past. And I think magic users would morph into something a little more... Um, not only would they be crafting their magic skills, but I think you would see a lot of more... Uh, mechanical sort of defenses or, you know, something that they would make the, even the magic users even more survivable at low level. You know, they might even, you might even want to make it to where magic users uh, uh, might be able to use, uh, broaden their use of weapons a little bit. Maybe, you know, maybe they can use a a short sword or maybe they can use like a, uh, like the hand crossbow or something like that. Because of this, you know, in order for magic users to survive, they've had to uh, adapt, you know, because of all the vampires. And I think I talked about this in another show when we talked about like certain types of undead. I, I always thought that if there was going to be a rift in the in the world of undead, it would always be between the liches and vampires. Yeah. And I would I would be it'd be very interesting how that would play out because you would think that they would they would be both vying for power you know there's, uh, there's a uh, pathfinder game that it got off of uh rpg now abaddon it's a world setting um and basically this comet hits and this horrible plague besets this world <clears throat> and it's undead the whole place is undead it's overrun by undead. The undead show up, and that's you know that's the new world. And there are pockets of freedom fighters, but now the undead automatically don't slaughter everyone. Mm-hmm. They're smart enough. They have there's liches and stuff and vampires and things that are smart enough to keep cattle. So now they're keeping the humans as cattle. Uh-huh, okay. And you know you you basically you can run a daily day. You know you guys do what you got to do to survive because they're letting you. Mm-hmm. You know, but now that vampire is the town lord. That lich is the, you know, the fiefdom king. You know, he's in charge of the fiefdom. And it's basically they let you go back to, you know, quote unquote normal life so you can run a game. But there's this horrible, horrible backdrop of all that's going on. And one of the conflicts, because now once the humans fall in line, these guys have nothing to do but to bicker with each other. And right. one of the big, one of the big bickers is a vampire versus a lich. Uh huh. Because the lich 
wants more magical stuff, um, which is located on this vampire's land. And the vampire's kind of like, well, no, you've already picked out where you wanted, and I picked this place, and this is what I need. So now that's their thing. That's their gripe. And it's the vampire versus the lich. And the thing is, now the vampire in the game, they, despite being, quote-unquote, civilized, these guys are like horrible tyrants, and they kill people and, you know, this thing. But for the most part, they're civilized as... Why am I going to kill these people for no reason? They're my cattle. There are still basically the feral vampires and the feral zombies who are out there. So if you're out in the woods, you're going to get attacked by stuff regardless. But um, it was one of the things that you just saying, it just made me think of it. Um, they also do the vampires with the basically the blade open mouth jaw thing. Mm-hmm. Like the predator, predator face, I guess, uh, with the you know the big tendril coming out of the mouth to, as the sucker, and that's just to change up the vampire thing. But now the intelligent ones are all very, you know, basically Dracula. Yeah, you got the you know they wear these the nicest clothes. They're the counts, the regal royalty of the undead. Mm-hmm. And then you got the liches who also still wear these really nice clothes, but they're just you know their face is destroyed or. You know, they're missing half their skull. So, I don't know. It's just uh, the idea of the vampire versus the lich is always, I thought that was always a cool idea. And then it made me think of Abaddon, which now go and they take that to the nth degree and they kind of work that down to the most minute detail, which, again, if you're going to run your campaign world that way, you're going to have to take those things into consideration. Yeah. It might lead up the situations if you're at the party is, you know, they're playing the vampire hunters mm-hmm. and you have that sort of uh, amongst the undead. You have that the, the, the lich and the vamp, the liches and the vampires are at times warring with each other. Almost. You can almost use that to your advantage, like the whole en- the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of mm-hmm. thing. You know, you might find yourself aligning with the liches or or worse off than lying with the vampires that take over the liches. Maybe they're getting too powerful. So you could almost turn that on its head. Basically, you can take Red Dawn. Yeah. Make make Red Dawn a D&D campaign and just exchange Russians for vampires. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's actually a good way of doing it. Yeah. Wow. I never I never thought of it that way. That You could do it that that basic premise. Wow. That would be really cool. That'd be really something. And then you would introduce things like, you know, maybe lesser vampires. I think Matt found an article on that, didn't you? Right. Uh, in dragon, one of them, I have like four different dragons open because believe it or not in dragon magazine, there was a lot of stuff on vampires. Yeah. Yeah. It was 126. Let's see. No, 126 is where you can get the stats for actual Dracula. Yeah, like uh, Vlad Tepes, which yes. I was reading. He's really bad, dude. Yeah, you don't <laughs> want to deal with As far as D&D stat-wise is. Right. But if you want the lesser vampire, that was actually in Dragon 30 on okay. page 9. And it's basically falling under the the example of like if a white kills a figure it's like half strength under its control so basically like the vampire would make when it makes another vampire it, you're not a full vampire you're kind of that lesser vampire as you learn to become vampire right so uh it has the ability for that um 
and then it's like the the important difference between the two is it that the full vampire has that strong connection to the negative material plane. The lesser really doesn't, and it because right. it has the free will to gain. It has the ability to gain access to it if it wants to go all the way with the vampire, but they're not all the way there yet. So you can go and and that article also goes into talking about the different things because vampires uh, will also have the ability to summon their creatures. So that's something else you want to think about when dealing with your vampire hunters, because they're not just going to be battling vampires. They're going yeah, to they're be, battle- be battling their minions. And yes, because vampires like minions doing their bidding more so than them doing the work right. themselves. Usually they'll have their charmed humans because vampires don't turn everyone into a vampire. They don't want the competition. They got their Renfields. Exactly. <laughs> the buggy lo- Renfield. <laughs> and the more powerful the vampire, the more Renfields. Yeah. So. Now as, as, as DMS, have you guys had the player who wants to play the Dompier? In your D and D game, those half vampires. Oh, dumb, dumb fear. Yeah, no, no, actually, no. No, really? I had uh, not. no. I've I thought that was only a second edition thing. To be honest, was it a first edition? I don't remember offhand. I well, now it's been it's been translated into every edition. Every edition has their own version of a half vampire. You know, not under the control of a thrall. You know, not the thrall of a of a greater vampire, but. You know, the half vampire. I don't think I've ever had anyone do that for me, ever. Wow. You have, I assume? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, when you know, again, as soon as things come out, people are like, oh, I want to try that. I want to do that. Okay. And then all it turns into is, you know, I get to be broody guy who has to go hide to go eat because I'm starving and I need blood and this and that. And then, of course, they do something bad. And you're like, okay, you realize that you are... You know, chaotic good and even chaotic good. This is really bad that you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, OK, well, all right. Well, this is now gotten out of control. And so now we have to go back and or they're like, oh, I'm just going to make a new character. OK, terrific. so they're kind of like Blade in a way. They're, they're, half they're players. Yeah. And it's basically for D&D, they give you some boosted stats so you got your you get your fix of, you know, I'm different than everybody else. But in the end, it all, you know, it cuts out because you can't stand You're You're basically a drow. Oh, great. That's what it comes down to. Uh, you can't stand yeah. you can't stand and expose sunlight too long because it's not going to you know, set you on fire, but it irritates you. And eventually you'll start losing, you know, your strength and your con and everything else. But. And then you dual wield scimitars and then- right, and everybody, you know, because you're you're you have a pumped up deck, so you could do backflips as you jump off of the thing and double scimitar onto your puma and ride away into the sunset. <laughs> Poor puma. Yeah. It's okay. It's a vampire puma. Oh, oh okay. okay. Yeah. So um, I know the movie inspiration. You can always look at the uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. It was always, that was a good movie for inspiration. I've not watched that. I've avoided that as much as I could. It's so. really not that bad, Nick. I actually really mm. enjoy the movie. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's not that bad. Is it just bad. good popcorn munching fun? Yeah, I guess? yeah. Don't take it for like, oh, she's not historically accurate to what Lincoln actually did. So, I mean, Lincoln obviously did not have a secret room with a chest that he went out and hunted vampires with. No, that but, was FDR. 
yeah that's that's correct <laughs> uh but no it's it's a good like kind of look at a different alternate history wow lincoln was actually a badass type guy that went out and hunted vampires before he became president so, and that and was John, based off of a book yeah yes. yeah yeah well matt you read the book right yeah i read the book and actually enjoyed the book more than the movie did it follow closely with the movie or it followed closely um just the i think the book just does a better job of executing the story because when i first picked up the book i thought it was going to be some wacky over the top comedy it's not it plays abraham lincoln hunting vampires completely straight wow and the humor is in the fact abraham lincoln's fighting vampires and and so it doesn't have any other comedy in it okay uh and as for an alternate history uh, story. I actually thought of you throw that in like Deadlands. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. The Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter Deadlands or even Aces and Eights. Okay. Either one. You could run it and it would be great. That'd be cool. Uh, but just that type of the vampires, they exist, but they're hidden in they there's those that want to coexist with humans and they go and they suck their blood of the animals and and leave the humans alone. And there's others that see in the case of Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter, they see the slaves as being the source of food. So the, and Abraham Lincoln wants to free the slaves so he can free them from the the vampires. Oh, wow. So I'm going to think I'm going to have to watch it. Now that you, I I remind myself it was based off a book. Another one there, they did, they took pride and prejudice. Yeah, there's pride, prejudice, and zombies, and then they did another one. It was something in sea monsters. Another one of those type, something, something in sea monsters. It's out of that uh, classic book with a monster thrown in. Uh, Little women. Oh, little women. (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me if they did it. What was it? Sea monsters. And plus, you got the classic. Yeah, Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Sense <laughs> and Sensibility and Sea Monsters, yes. I did see that I, on the bookshelf one time. But, you know, you know and we can't, you can't ignore the classic Bram Stoker Dracula. You know, that's that's a great book. So, <laughs> Yeah, that is a great book. I actually have two different editions of that book. One, uh, a shelf fancy black lines, gold trimmed, like red trim same type thing going on. I also have another one that's black leather with uh red blood trim on it as well. Nice. Yeah, I have two of them. They're really <clears throat> nice looking books. I had to pick them up when I saw them. Yeah. Um now have you seen that was it Dracula Unleashed? Dracula Unleashed. I'm trying so it's to... kind of the new one where it oh, tells about yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a good guy. He, you know, he's a really good guy. Oh, that, yeah. Doing the, now, he's just misunderstood. Yeah, he's just right. misunderstood. It, it wasn't it wasn't a terrible movie. Um, but but it, no, it, it's a very good resource. But like okay. for the simple reason, I loved the fact that <clears throat> little flavor stuff. Um, it was the little flavor stuff that really made it a big deal. It was him turning into bats and like being able to. You know, go from this place to this, basically do like a forest walk or, you know, a shadow walk. But he turned into bats and then reformed his bats here. Like little things like that. Um, the fact that there was the lore of there was something in a cave that lived forever. 
you know, it was it was the immortal and it was Dracula before he was. And it gave him the power because he asked for it. And it was a, it was kind of a, a. It took something horrible and bestial and pretty much, you know, what they everybody in the in the movie called the devil and made it a sympathetic thing at the end, you know, at, at the at the transition for Vlad of, well, I'm giving this to you and I'm sorry I'm giving it to you. You know, and now you're now you're a thrall. Like now you're a part of this. You know, you're part of this horrible legacy. But now you're immortal. So, you know, good luck with that. You know, so like it was it was a cool thing to make for to make for a campaign would be amazing because now you have this tortured hero who is now a villain in everybody else's eyes. So you bust out this NPC who is like a Vlad who is impaling these guys and has such hatred towards this one type of people or a race or, or, you know, whether it be orcs or halflings or elves. And this guy, and all this guy wants to do is just go and murder. And he's murdering these elves by like the droves and they can't stop him because he's super powerful. And, you know, he has the ability to control weather to a degree and, he has these other minions who run in, you know, these fast, super strong minions who just run in and these 300 minions can take out this 2,000 man army. And you go in and, and your, your PCs show up and all they know is that this bloodthirsty dude is impaling elves on all these sticks outside this town and this guy's got to be stopped. Yeah. And then it turns out maybe that the elves – you know, had slaughtered his family when he was just trying to, you know, work out a deal and keep peace. You know, he had stopped. It, it was just there's a whole layer of a movie in that movie. The, the layers of it of who this guy was beforehand lends to a great campaign if you want to run that kind of campaign. That if, actually is really cool. I'm going to have to check that out now. I was I was yeah. kind of wary. I was sitting on a fence. And I was like, eh, do I really want to see this? But now, because it brings up the one question that I, I, I've had, is like, how do the other demi-human races deal with vampires? How do the halflings, dwarves, elves, gnomes, whoever, yeah. how do they deal with a vampire threat? How do they, you know, how does their culture, society play into all that? You know, yeah. or a, like a vampire elf. Oof. A vampire oh, elf. Geez. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's almost negligible because who would ever think about it? Because you're like, oh, he's a vampire. I right? don't have to make him anything else. Well, remember, there is a drow vampire elf in Vault of the Drow. Right. Remember right. That that's one? what I'm saying. Like, yeah, that was how and, long. And his, and his companion's a succubus. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, to me, that's it, it keeps things from being dull of the same old. OK, right. well, this guy, I'm going to run in and we have to kill this guy. Now you give your PCs something to think about. Give your PCs a reason to go, are we going to stake them? At least even if even if they take 10 minutes in the game to talk to each other around the campfire before they go out and go, well, listen, I'm reading this book of lore here. And this guy apparently was not so bad before he became this thing. Well, can we change him? So now can we change him back now that that'll be immediately what they go to? And they're like, uh, we really have no idea. And then huh. somebody show up and say, well, maybe there could be a way for you to change him, but you'd have to do these other side quests in order to do that. So now, are they going to take the time to go do side quests, or are they just going to still go up to the castle, kick the door in, and try to kill him? Oh, I just had a really good idea here. At least I think it is. 
Mara Hall talking about the all the uh, demi-human races. Mm-hmm. How does the vampire curse, if you want to call it the curse, or the plague affect those races? And I just saw the way how maybe because it affects maybe the different races different ways. It's still a form of vampirism, but this is where you could take that Dragon Magazine article out of um, issue 25, Variety of Vampires, and you take, I don't know, for example, there's the uh, the one vampire myth out of Crete and Rhodes called the Katakano, mm. where it's always grinning with very white teeth. It spits blood, which can cause horrible burns. It can charm at minus two. And maybe that's the twist on maybe that's how the Katakano, the, the basic idea about it, maybe that's what happens to uh, dwarves when they're affected with vampirism. That's what they turn into. You know, yeah. you're still going to have your different variety of vampires because of how the vampire curse or plague affects that demi-human race. Yeah, I think that's what people, they need to do that. They need to keep changing and keep things different yeah and i think that's a way you could keep it kind of different yeah the minute you start letting everything just be the same Mm -hmm. yeah maybe maybe when a halfling is infected by the uh by the vampire curse he has a congested face blood red skin and it can cause epilepsies and it's active both day and night but that's the it's the Serbian myth uh, called the Vlakodlak, but you can call it something else. But that's what happens when a halfling is infected by vampirism and all the different ways you got to <laughs> kill them. It's different with every race. So yeah. that's like what you're saying. It's a, it's, a, it's a twist on the vampire myth. You can introduce different versions of vampires like of the myths from our world, but you say, okay, now this myth is going to be for the halflings and this is for the elves, the wars, and you go right on it. Maybe even for orcs, it's different, you know? So. Like, and, and I think for vampire hunters, I think keeping that in your game, keep that as, as, as innovative as you would your vampires. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you have your hunters, not everybody has to be, you know, a super shiny cleric paladin in order to fight a vampire. Um, mm-hmm. Not everybody has to be the awkward professor carrying bottles and, you know, a thousand books, dropping it, letting the fighter, let, let the fighter do it. And him being all, right. you know, scatterbrained and hoo, 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 you know, that, that sort of way. And I like I, and like I was saying earlier, maybe the different classes have evolved into dealing with this vampire threat. Like I said, the magic user, maybe they've, they've had to learn to use different types of weapons, more weapons. And maybe they have more offensive spells now. Or um, maybe maybe rangers have become more, I don't know, they've become more precise in, oh. when using bow weapons. Well, how about this? Like For that. vampire change, instead of blood, they feed off of mana. So they only go after magic users. Ooh, oh, ooh. Ooh, and that's nasty. Anybody with magic, <laughs> it, oh, it'll work man. the same way as a vampire. And they say, oh, uh, you, you have those guys who are like, oh, I can smell your blood. Have these guys like, ooh, I can smell your mana. I can smell yeah. your magic. Right? Yeah. And that's how you get your vampire lich war. Who, has, who collects more magic and magical power than a lich? 
Nice. There you go, Matt. Now you're talking. Right. And the different hey. varieties of vampires, you got all those out there. Mm -hmm. They're all killed different ways, and your vampire hunter, hunters out there have to find out how each different type is killed so that's not the same way all the time. They're, they're always kind of one step behind the curve, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, you could also steal from the video game Castlevania, too. Oh, my God. Yes, especially Castlevania 2, where the entire game was going around collecting the body parts of Dracula so you could bring him back to life to kill him. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it ba basically to permanently exterminate Dracula, you had to gather him his body parts up and resurrect him. So, you could so they're him. artifacts for like Vecna? Right. Yeah. Nice. Oh, so that, man. So now yes. think of that in D&D &D terms, which equals we put it all together. He gets away. Damn it. Now what yes. do we do? Yeah. <laughs> or, or perhaps you hear of uh, someone else is trying to raise him like a cult of Dracula or something. Oh, so he, there you go. So okay, now here you, you go. A vampire. Oh, my God. Cult. Here you go. You got the guy who hires you and says, listen, we want to destroy him. You have to get all his parts to bring him back together and bring him to me. So you have them do that. And that's a pretty good question in itself. They bring him back. They give it to you. You give them the money and you're like, guys, thanks. That was amazing. Suckers. And then you, yeah. raise, you know, he raises him and now he's alive. And now the players are like, don't. Yeah. Now we have they to were... go clean this up. Oh, man. That would be good. Oh, there's some really cool ways you can twist the whole vampire thing and put it into a D&D &D campaign. Some really awesome stuff. See, and here I here I was hating on vampires. Yeah, oh, Sal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a better chance next time, Sal. I so awesome. I've just ordered sixteen different versions of my Vampires of Masquerade hardcovers. Hey. So. Uh, <laughs> you know what? You probably can find sixteen different versions of the Vampire of the Masquerade hardcover. You're right. I've good. seen it. It was it was ridiculous. Probably all at half price books on the same shelf. <laughs> you know what? That is probably next to here in Texas the second largest collection I've seen at half price books. I yeah, same in Cincinnati. Is it right? fourth edition? Is fourth edition the first? No, actually, it is not. The first is usually uh, Castles and Crusades or RuneQuest. Really, RuneQuest, really? Yeah. Man, Castles and Crusades, huh? Well, I could yeah. definitely say North Texas. I can't say about all of Texas, but North Texas. I've been to quite a few. There's like a, as we call here in North Texas, the Half Price Books Trail that you can go on. And there's so there's like 20 stores that you can go to in a day, all in the area. And all the shelves are always filled with those books. Yeah, yeah right now the thing in Cincinnati is your Warhammer Fantasy books. The, those have been purged. By people, really? <gasps> yeah, well, they completely redid the game, and basically, all your books and rules are even more worthless than the normal. Hey, we're revising your armies. They completely well, changed yeah. the game, so it's no longer mass combat. It's more you only need five, six miniatures now, as opposed to two hundred oh, to play well, the game. That's, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, basically, they blew the entire world up in lore and restarted it over. See, because Warhammer Fantasy used to be one of the uh, Warhammer Fantasy role playing game was one of the coolest games I played that wasn't D and D back in yeah, the day. Me yeah, me too. Yeah, you know, like I, somebody was like, "Do you want to play Warhammer?" And I'm like, "No, man, that's not D and D." And then they were like, "Here, try it." So <laughs> yeah, I tried because it. The background was so cool. Yeah, 
not only the background, but then it was, okay, I need to be, I want to be a, uh, a dwarf. I'm going to be a berserker. But now I can get to be a troll slayer. I can get yeah. to be a giant slayer, but I got to work to get there. You so it a gave you a path. goal. Right. It gave you a goal. So, like, to me, that's what made it so innovative. And I, I thought the game was great. Yeah. And, they ha- and then, Matt, those games, the old Warhammer, those games. Yes. Or are you talking about Warhammer Fantasy just for the, the, the minis the, game? The minis. Uh, every now and then, though, battle. I yeah, the fantasy battle uh, oh, okay. the, for the miniatures game. We do occasionally, though, see the uh, actual role-playing game. And I've played uh, the 40K version of the role-playing game. I'm not, that's like, I'm not, I love 40K. I, well, I used to love it. I, now I'm just annoyed by it. Um, <laughs> but now the, the 40K for Death Watch and that stuff, to me, it just it, it lacks longevity because I want to play a Space Marine. Well, you kind of can't. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> what my group, we do short little adventures with it. Then we'll go on and do something else. We don't actually run long campaigns. It's more like, hey, well, for the next like three, four games, we'll play this. And then we move yeah. on to something else. It, because, like, you know, not for nothing. I love I love Marines. The Space Marines are great. They're not really exciting people. They don't do anything. They, you know, they're for the emperor. We go eat, we sleep and then we fight. That's yeah. pretty much your life. Yeah. So, you know, in in only war, there are more variants. Uh, like we were the uh, part of the ones you could say were more like the Russians. Mm-hmm. With uh, the fuzzy hats. Um, co- the uh, work brain. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's shot. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm the same the way. They're, in, they're yeah, Imperials. The yes. Right. And we those are the guys like the Kachan guys. Right. The ones where you go to try to requisition equipment, you may mm-hmm. get it or you may not. You could actually, hey, we need some uh, explosives for this mission. Okay. You get open up the package. It's a bunch of desert gear when you're on a snow world. It happens because apparently their accountants and logistics are horrible. So that that yeah. was the one thing I found amusing. And like and that's the thing there's in, in a game where there's no fear. You know, like a vampire up against a space marine. Nobody's fearing it. There is no fear involved. It's like, oh, cool. That guy has teeth. Shoot him. Shoot him in the face until there's nothing left but teeth. Bolter to the head. Exactly. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think we totally steered off course. (laughs) Yeah, the show's pretty much wrapped up now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Somehow we got on the Warhammer, but hey, cool. It's still a fun game. There's another must-have. Another right. must-have in his that guy in his collection is Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Yeah, because there were vampire lords in that, though. So yes, there was. Kind of there in. you go. There's how it ties in. You got it. <laughs> also, um, Hackmaster for that guy, too. He should look at it. There you go. Yep, thank you. <laughs> the, the, not the new one. I was, I was yep. a fan of the tongue-in-cheek old one. Thank you. I am, too, for the win. Um, uh, and I told... Uh, <laughs> I said I told that to Jolly. I said I was a fan. I told him last year at Gen Con um, when I tried the new one. I said this isn't as uh, isn't what I remembered from the old Hackmaster. And he says, "Well, we're redoing it. We redid it." And I'm like, "Oh, well, okay." Yeah, because they and he's like, "You're not happy." I'm like, eh, "You know." Yeah, lost the licensing from Wizards, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's going to wrap up the show this week. Uh, 
rfistaff at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook or G Plus by searching RFI shows. And we'll be back in a couple weeks. Thanks, guys. Keep it original, keep it old school. Good night. Good night. Good night. Night, everybody. Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative. Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Want to help support the show? Why not head over to the Patreon site, patreon.com slash WGP. That's patreon.com slash WGP. And help support the network for as little as $1.50 a month. That's right, $1.50 a month goes a long way. Thank you.